Thank you, Rachel. Well, this is the last message in the book of Job. Next week, we're going to start a new series in the book of Romans. And um, I am not going to follow the example of Martin Lloyd-Jones, who went through the book of Romans and it took him 15 years. So don't worry about that. Uh, We'll be looking at a chapter at a time, though, as we look at a precious book from God's truth. But this morning, as we look at the book of Job, call it the end of the story. We're going to uh, look at uh, verses 10 through verse 17. So I encourage you to turn to Job 42 as we look at these last verses in the book. And ask when you find that if you will stand in God's honor. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter he named Jemima, the second Kezia, and the third Karen Hapak. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived a hundred and forty years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so he died, old and full of years. Let's pray. Father, here we are. Lord, we need you, God. As Roy said in his children's sermon... We're fond of telling the world I'm number one. But the truth is, Father, you have always been number one. Help us realize that sooner rather than later, Lord. Because there's so much joy missed when we miss you as throne on the throne, Lord, of our lives. And of course, ultimately, until we see that, we're separated for eternity. So I just pray that as we take time to look at Job, Father, and the rest of the story, may we always remember that it ends well when God is number one. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Open up when I think of a story, a good story uh, through history. They've began with a certain phrase and they've ended with a certain phrase. The story starts out with once upon a time. You know that what is going to follow is is a tale that will catch us. Capture us. Hold us. Through the story. And then those great final words and they live happily ever after. And to be honest with you, when I want to be entertained and I want to see a story, whether it's a movie or or whether it's a TV show, I like 
the old traditional way of once upon a time and I like it to end happily ever after. Um, I remember growing up, I used to like to watch Bonanza. And y'all, if y'all remember the old Bonanza show. And then I remember they made a movie years later. And I was so disappointed in the movie because, you know, they come out there and you got little Joe and Haas and they've been divorced and they start talking about all their problems in life and that's happened. And, and I'm like, oh, oh. But, you know, it reminds me of the story of the little girl who she came home and she told her parents, four years old, she told her parents, she said, I heard the most amazing story today. What's the story, honey? Well, they start out, they said, once upon a time, there was a princess. And this princess was in a deep, deep sleep. And this handsome prince came along and he kissed her. And said, and do you know how the story ends? And her mother said, yes, I know. And they lived happily ever after. No, and they got married. <laughs> now, you know, as I, as I head out with this, um, maybe instead of calling this the end of the story, I should have said the end of the account. Because when we think of a story, we think of something that's fictional, something that comes out of someone's imagination. But this is not just merely a story. This is an account. This is an account of the life of Job and how God was faithful through the life of Job as he walked with him. And as we look at life, life has its moments that are not happily ever after. Life has its moments that that are difficult, that are trying, that are painful. I mean, as a matter of fact, as you look through the biblical characters, you've got Noah and and he was faithful and he built this ark and, and God used him. But then we find him near the end of his life in shame and drunk. And then we read of other characters and, and with hard stories as, as you go through the book of Judges and, and, and you see these people who God would raise up to, to uh, lead the people. And there are stories like Samson who he, he got involved in, in, with, a, with a harlot and, and, and then he got his hair cut and then he ended up in chains and, and blind. And, and it, just a sad tale of a story. And then, of course, David, this mighty king, a man after God's own heart. And we know all the trouble he got into when, when he wasn't where he should have been. And then it just snowballed and grew worse and worse. As he became a murderer, as he became an adulterer, and a liar, and all this that 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 would plague him, a lot of pain. And then Solomon, as he went through all those struggles, and then John the Baptist, you know, he had his head chopped off, and and of course Paul died in the same way, and then John, who ended up on the Isle of Patmos, and of course we know Jesus going to the cross, and and so the account is often not like the story. There, there is pain and there is difficulty, but the good news is that God is with us. And as we've looked through the book of Job, we have seen that God has been with Job. Turn me back a couple of chapters to chapter 23. We've looked at this verse uh, in another message. Uh, i just read it again quickly. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Three truths here that come out of this declaration from Job. First, God knows the situation he's in. God knows about the pain. 
It did not catch him by surprise, this difficult time he's going through. Secondly, he realizes that God is testing him. That God is at work. He's in the furnace of affliction because God is wanting to make him mature. He's doing that work. And thus, thirdly, as you see, I'll come forth as gold. He's going to emerge a better man. God, God, he's got a plan. He's at work. Uh, you know, it's hard to believe as years go by that there was a very popular lady who had Bible studies by the name of Kay Arthur who has since gone on to be with the Lord. And that just seems like a short time ago, just a year or two ago. I'm not sure how much time, but Kay was a lady who, in her younger years, went through a lot of pain. Uh, as a mother of small children, her husband died. And so here she was, a young widow. And, you know, a gifted Bible teacher. God was working in her life, but she was just depressed. And the weight of the difficulties that she was facing was just about too difficult for Kay. And and she talks about one day, she, she came home and, and she had two young kids that... that that she was uh, leading back into the house and she started on the driveway and the weight of it all was just almost too heavy for Kay. And then she looked at the grass in her yard and as she stared at the grass, a memory came to her mind when she was a little girl with pigtails. And something had happened that, that brought pain to her. And so she was running through the grass and she was screaming. And she saw her dad. And, and her, her dad said, what's wrong, honey? What's wrong? And Kay ran. And it, as she got close, her dad picked her up and held her in his arms and just comforted her and stroked her hair. And as she thought about that, she headed to her door. And as she opened her door, her imagination began to run wild. And she began to think about her heavenly father, her dear daddy, her Abba father. And then she imagined herself as a, as a little girl once again in pigtails and walking into this large home, larger than where she lived, but a, a wonderful, magnificent home, oil paintings on the wall, a marble corridor. And as she walked through that great place and saw a great staircase, she came to two large, ornate doors. And on each side, there was a guard, and the guard had a spear. Each guard had a spear. And as they stood there, they, they were quite intimidating but she didn't care. She knew that she had to go through those doors. And so she was run, she took off running. And, and you could think, you know, these big guards could easily stop this little girl. But instead of stopping her, when she got to the door, they backed away, held the doors open, and started yelling, It's the daughter of the king! It's the daughter of the king! And she took off running. Court was in session. <laughs> The elders in their white robes were sitting around the king and, and they were talking to the king and they were bringing their case and she passed all of the ornate beauty and, and, and the candlesticks. And, and But the king, instead of this conversation that he's having that's obviously important with important people, he stops and he sees her and she jumps into his lap and he holds her and he strokes her hair. And he says, my dear Kay, now, what's the problem? And the point K. Arthur makes is in the difficulties and in the, 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 the pain, God doesn't always take that stuff away. Man, we often have to suffer. But He's always there. His lap is always open. 
And He loves us. And, and he, he cares for us in the difficulties. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 in the King James Version says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Man, he is a place to run to. He, he may not take away the pain of today, but he supplies strength for tomorrow. And he's got a plan. He's, he's refining us uh, it's Job's testimony. Now let's look at the account at the end of Job here as we spend our time. A couple of blessings here that we see with Job. First in verse 10 and then expressed again in uh, verse 12. We see his possessions are doubled. Um, notice uh, here as he uh, he says that. And then in verse 12 we, we read the, the account again. It says the Lord... Blessed the latter part of blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had fourteen thousand sheep, where once he'd had seven, six thousand camels, and you know, once he had three thousand, a thousand yoke of oxen, a thousand donkeys. He had doubled those blessings. I imagine he had a much bigger, more beautiful home, the caravan, the business. Uh, was was doubled. God brought back what he had lost in in a wonderful fashion as he had blessed him. Now, I'll take a, just a moment here for a sidetrack. Sometimes God chooses to bless people materially, but it's not me. It's not you. And, and sometimes it's easy to get a little envious. So ju- just as a side note, sometimes we need to step back and say, Lord... Help me to be thankful for what you give me instead of worried about what he has and she has and, and, and how I want that. But, but secondly, I want you to see second blessing, his relatives and his friends appear. Um, as we read, it says, verse 11, all his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. Of course, my question is, where have they been? There's been a lot of stuff happened to Job. And now it mentions them. Maybe they were there all along. Maybe they weren't. I don't know. Why does it happen to mention this here? Had they been absent now all of a sudden that Job's you know, got these blessings pouring down again in a material fashion? Here they reappear. Uh, and, and maybe this next part here. Uh, I wonder, you know, through all the suffering and all the loss, maybe this was like a housewarming. Maybe this is a way to help Job and Mrs. Job restart uh, their finances. As we read, it says, uh, second part of verse 11, They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him, and each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. They supplied him with this housewarming gift uh, in, in order to build... Some savings. And you know it's interesting here. Just take a moment here. It, it doesn't specifically mention Job's wife. But it's obvious here as it talks about. The third blessing of family. That uh, she was there. And she had stuck with him. And a lot of times in the scripture. We're really hard on Job's wife. But you know what? If nothing else. She stuck with him. Big deal isn't it? Sometimes, a lot of times, 
marriages don't stick together. Through the tough stuff, she stuck with him. Now, look at this third blessing here. Job's children are replaced. Verse 13, he also had seven sons and three daughters. Now, take a minute here. I, I say replaced. That doesn't sound right. Everyone has told me, and I can I don't even want to imagine the, the, how horrible the death of a child is. I don't want to in any way belittle that. But just needless to say, um, God was ready to give them a, another round of joy and blessing with more kids. There's something to think about here, too, with, with uh, these children. A lot of years have passed by. And it doesn't specifically tell us how old Job and Mrs. Job were. Well, could it be that, uh, let's say they were 70. Just think about this, you know. Job comes home one day, Mrs. Job says, I have a surprise, I think I'm pregnant. What? You're kidding. Really? And You know, it would have been one thing, it's more than I can even think of at 70 years old to hear that. But it happened nine more times. Ten children that God blessed them with. What a journey. And the age of a grandparent being a parent, the good news is, man, all that stupid stuff done the first time around. Hopefully, you know, you learned a few things and, and you know, you're able maybe to dodge some of those bad decisions you made earlier. So that, you know, a blessing that could be shared there, uh, attend children. And it, it mentions specifically the three daughters. It doesn't really tell us anything specifically about the boys. Uh, calls them by name. Nothing specifically significant in the meanings of the names. But it is interesting here. It mentions that uh, they were lovely, they were beautiful. Verse 15, nowhere in all the... Land where they're found women as beautiful as Job's daughters. Wow. They had a beauty about them. And I choose uh, I choose to believe from the meaning of the word beautiful here. It's more than just, man, she was a looker, you know. I think it's talking about a beauty inside and outside. A beauty that's developed because, man, she's... Been with parents. They've been, these girls have been with parents that love God, and and she's got a security there because she's loved. Because you know the love's flowing correctly. Because you know when the love flows from God and it flows through us. First it flows to us, and it's got to flow through us, and that, that's happened in that family. And, and and so there's just a real blessing there that that is shared among these girls. And there's another interesting note here. It says, and their father granted them inheritance along with their brothers. And this was unusual. As we read later on through um, the accounts in, in the Old Testament and in that Old Covenant, there's one verse that, uh, Numbers 27, verse 8, that talks about inheritance going to a daughter. And that's if there's no son, that, it is, that inheritance is to go to that daughter. There's no favoritism. And they all got an inheritance. The, the, the sons and the daughters got a part of that as there was love that was shared there. Uh, fourth blessing. 
His later years were fulfilling. And wow, look how he closes in verses 16 and 17. After this, Job lived 140 years. So let's just say 70. And then we add 140 years uh, to that. Uh, wow. Some years they've gone by. Four generations of being part of the family. What a blessing to have all these kids and all these grandchildren and, and, and to be a part of that. And, and, and for the pain not to ever be fully taken away, but to be diminished because there's this life and these kids all around that, that, that bring that kind of love and joy and, and remembrance. And uh, I want to use the last part of this message to just spend some time here on the later years. We, we live in a culture where many times the elderly are not given the attention they deserve, the honor they deserve, that they, they, sh- they should be seen as a blessing, they should be seen as wise, and, and sometimes in this culture we miss that, we miss that. They're a time of harvest and what they can share. And, and it's not just a time of winter and suffering. They're a blessing. And what's really a blessing is a person old in years who's young at heart. Henry David Thoreau said, None are so old as those who have outlived enthusiasm. What a blessing when you have older people who, who are still active and involved and connected. And, you know, I remember one book I read. I can't remember who wrote it, but it really struck me. The guy in there, he, he prayed. He said, God, help me not to become a crotchety old man. Oh, boy. Yeah, God, help me not become a crotchety old man. I already find myself feeling a little crotchety at times. It kind of scares me. But, you know, it's a blessing here at Job in those later years. He, 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 there's no evidence he was like that. It, it evidence he was involved in the family. What, you know, what, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a blessing that is to, uh, to see that and, and, and to have that involvement. Um, so, someone has uh, said... Remember, older people are worth a lot more than younger folks. They have silver in their hair, gold in their teeth, stones in their kidneys, lead in their feet, and natural gas in their gut. Uh, one of my favorite Bible teachers through the years, and I've referred to him, Chuck Swindoll, and he has a book he's written on growing old. And in that book, he, he gives... Uh, just five pieces of advice on growing old as he is weathered the journey. I don't know, he's in his 70s, maybe even early 80s now. I'm not even sure. But uh, I'm, I'm just going to read these in the last part of the message here. First, he said, keep developing your mind. Don't stop developing your mind. Nobody wants a person who's living 20 years ago and just complains about everything today. Don't do that. He said he heard about a guy who, you know, instead of wanting to live, he wanted to die. He wanted to die so badly, he wouldn't even buy green bananas. 
You know. Secondly, keep humor. Man, be willing to laugh. Laughter is powerful. <laughs> I, uh, he shares a quote here in this from Fred Allen, who used to say, if you don't laugh out loud enough, it'll go down and spread your hips. I, I love that. Man, just laugh. Take advantage of that. Third, remember your strength isn't gone. Keep using it. Do your best to take care of the strength God has given you and, and just continue to use it. Don't act as if, well, you know, my best days are past, so I'm just going to sit around and give up. No, just continue. Use the strength that God has given you. And you can be such a blessing with what, with what you have. So don't, don't, don't just act like, you know, I, I, can't, I can't do anything. Be willing to be to be stretched and, and and to be used by God. He talks about a friend of his who's a doctor, and he said that this woman came into his office for a checkup, who was ninety four years old, and she had just run five miles. And he looked at her and said, "You might need to slow down." And ten days later, she was dead. He said, "I figured out from there, I would never again tell anybody to slow down." And try to encourage them to grow older before they're ready. Those who are living to continue to, to encourage them to step up and to use their strength. And a fourth one here. Your opportunities haven't vanished. So keep pursuing them. You know, age limitations of a body that's creaky and doesn't want to cooperate doesn't mean God still can't use you. Be, find a way to be an encourager. Maybe it's to write a note to people, a card to people. Maybe it's to call people. I don't know. Maybe it's other ways to reach out to them. Um, I know several of the older people in the church with Lydia when she left were, you know, just so kind to her. Sometimes I gave her a little money. Sometimes they just hugged her. It encouraged her, and she talks about that to us still. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. So be willing um, to give to give of yourself. You know, someone has said, uh, someone wrapped up in himself makes a small package. So we don't want to be small packages. And then fifth, God's not dead. <laughs> Keep serving and seeking Him. Keep living for Him. Keep enjoying the Lord. And there is so much power and a person who finishes the race, who fights the good fight, who for years goes through so much and has remained faithful. What a testimony. What a powerful word. What a hope. I close with, a, this is called the Nun's Prayer. It was written in the 17th century. I don't know exactly who wrote it. but Lord, Thou knowest better than I know myself that I'm growing older and will someday be old. Keep me from getting talkative, and particularly from the fatal habit of thinking I must say something on every subject and on every occasion. Release me from the craving to try and straighten out everybody's affairs. Keep my mind free from the recital of endless details. Give me wings to get to the point. I ask for grace enough to listen to the tales of others' pains. 
They are increasing and my love of rehearsing them is becoming sweeter as the years go by. I dare not ask for improved memory, but for a growing humility and a lessening cocksureness when my memory seems to clash with the memories of others. Teach me the glorious lesson that occasionally I may be mistaken. Keep me reasonably sweet. I do not want to be a saint. Some of them are so hard to live with. (laughs) But a sour old woman or man is one of the crowning works of the devil. Make me thoughtful, but not moody. Helpful, but not bossy. With my vast store of wisdom, it seems a pity not to use it. But thou knowest, Lord. I want a few friends at the end. Give me the ability to see good things in unexpected places and talents and unexpected people. And give me, Lord, the grace to tell them so. Let's pray. Lord, as we've come to the end of the account, not the story, because this is about a man's life. And Father, we're all going through that journey known as life now. We're at different ages. But Father, you are ageless. We can trust you. You are the the heavenly Father who, no matter how busy we think you are, always have an open lap. Father, help us to really live, to walk by faith and to depend upon you and to be people of prayer and People who listen and follow you. And Father, there's so much life you want us to to experience, Lord. So much. And we miss quite a bit. So, Father, as we look at Job as he finished well. Help us finish, Lord. With what time we have left. Walking close with you. The awesome God. Father, uh, not only in our families. But there's a lot of people out there that need to know that life is more than pain and heartache and disappointment, that there is a God who loves us so much that he came, that he suffered, that he died, was buried, and raised to life, and that by trusting in him, we too can have a new start, forgiven and and ready, Lord, to really live. So I pray, Father, as we come to this time, as we stand and as we sing, Father, maybe one here needs to stop and say, I I need that life. I want that life. I just ask you, God, to give me that life. Forgiveness and a new start and hope that only comes from you. Father, do that kind of work in someone here today. For the rest of us, we may be crotchety, and old, or we may be crotchety and young. This might be crotchety. Change that, God. Everyone's miserable when that happens. And that's not your plan. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Or your strength. And I pray, Father, that that would be <laughs> what marks us. And Lord... Uh, Bring us to the altar if we need to pray about something to bring to you. Father, we just want this time, it's sacred, it's holy. It's time to take the prompting that you have.
introduced, uh, Father, in a message and to obey. If we, if we don't obey what you speak to us about, then we miss it. It's not just about hearts burning because you speak. It's about hearts changing because you speak. So change us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Will you please stand?